Hello and welcome back to Marked Out for Fruitfulness. This is talk number 11 and we're resuming our study of a parable of a sower in Mark chapter 4. And rather than try and recap what I said last time, I'm going to ask if you missed the last talk, please uh, go back, listen to that one and then come back here. As we're going to look tonight at the final two soils. It was one little cluster of verses that I could seriously well explain and really want to capture our hearts in the whole of scripture. It would be the verses we're looking at together tonight. Because I think they unlock, they have a potential to unlock what holds so many people back from really bearing fruit for Jesus Christ. So please, please, uh, turn off any distractions and give your full attention just for 15 minutes and see if God might speak to you tonight about this extraordinary potential we have to bear fruit for him when we hear his voice. We're going to pick up the story of the sower as we look at three big chokers to hearing God's voice. It's in chapter 4 verse 18 and 19. Remember, the farmer goes out to sow the seed, which is the word of God. And we've looked at the stone deaf, and we've looked at the grown deaf, and now we come to the tone deaf. And this cluster of people, they are hearing God's voice. They're not stone deaf. They're not tone deaf. But they can't identify God's voice for all the background noise that's taking over. Verse 18 and 19, still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. God's voice has been crowded out. That's what's happened. And the subtlety of this is that what's crushing them from hearing God's voice is so unspectacular, so everyday, so commonplace. I've lived in a number of places. Uh, as being a vicar, you have to move around. And in each one, I've been a disastrous gardener. But I have discovered this as to why I'm a disastrous gardener. And it's because weeds grow without your help. You don't have to do anything to get weeds in your garden. It's commonplace, they're there. The natural template for a garden is weeds. Unless you're absolutely determined to root them out and keep them under control. And that is exactly what Jesus is describing here. Three kingdom crushes that if you and I are not totally determined they will take over and they will push God's voice into the background. So let's have a look at them and see what we can do about them. The first one is the cares of this life. Worries. The cares of this life. Well, sadly, we experience this, don't we? There's never going to be a day, or it seems to me there are very few days, when we don't have a care in the world. Those kind of days they don't come often enough and it's the most acceptable thing in the world if you meet with some friends just say let me tell you all about my worries but 
that would not be acceptable to Jesus. Why? Because he's told us actually not to worry about anything. He's told us don't pick up tomorrow's worries today. Every day has got enough worry for itself. Scripture is littered with instruction not to worry. But because scripture is a practical book, it never does actually say just don't worry. It tells you what to do instead. It says, trade worry for trust. The best kind of weed killer, the best antidote to worry is to trust God with your cares because he cares for you. Park your concerns with God. It, look, if God isn't big enough to look after you in them, then why on earth is he your God? It goes without saying, and we've all experienced this, that a life drowning in cares is, is, is really challenging. And all of us have got the potential to go down this slippery slope. We need our friends at this point. We need our Christian friends at this point. We need to be in a small group at this point and to be able to share together what we're finding it impossible to carry on our own. That's what we're there for. Part of the answer to worry and anxiety is not just trading it for trust, it's trading it with other people to help, let them help. There will be chapters in our life when we need one another's very real help. You know, sometimes you might have walked past the church, like I've walked past the church, and outside is a thermometer. It's part of a fundraising technique. But the strange thing is, we all know that there's nothing really very appealing about seeing a thermometer at the front of a church. Actually, to me, it's come to betoken a sick church. It's not how things should be. That's the only time you use a thermometer, isn't it, when you're sick? And a Christian consumed by worry is really not a healthy Christian. It's a state of affairs that will drive you away from God and God's voice away from you. And instead, as I've said, we can help one another. We can help one another to trust more and worry less. Just before his big instruction not to worry about anything in Philippians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul says, the Lord is near, Philippians 4 verse 5. The Lord is near. Hand your worries over to him. The second kingdom crusher that Jesus men mentions in the parable of a sower, the second of a big three, is encapsulated in this little phrase, the deceitfulness of wealth. Well, it's a stark and salient point that Jesus is making here. If you want to make someone indifferent to God's voice, load them with stuff. That's what the word translated riches or wealth is here. Day by day, people invest so much time trying to accumulate more material stuff at the expense of spiritual health. And if we put a fraction of the effort into listening to God's voice, we'd be fruitful indeed. To cut to the punchline, Jesus says, it's impossible to love God and love money at the same time. And it's such an interesting little phrase, the deceitfulness of wealth. It is deceitful. Why? Well, it gives the impression that if we amass wealth, that's all we need for security. And of course, it has power 
wealthy people have power. But what if the cost of your wealth was drowning out God's voice? Would that be worth it? Well, it happens. It's one of a big three, remember. Imagine a conversation in heaven. I can imagine it easily, can't you? When did they stop listening to your voice, Father? Holy Spirit, when did they stop hearing your promptings? What are they talking about instead? Well, they're talking about money, the stuff they have, the stuff they don't have, the stuff they wish they had, the stuff they lost, the decisions they've made, the economy, what to buy next. No wonder they can't hear your voice, Father. Proverbs 3, 13 corrects this perspective. Blessed are those who find wisdom, who gain understanding, for she's more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. That's it. That's it. That's why you'll find true riches in God's, God's voice, in God's word. How about instead of following the FTSE or the Dow Jones or the Hang Sen, how about we invest in the GSIO index, God speaks and I obey, and see what comes out of that. And then thirdly, the third category is, Jesus says, the desire for other things choke our ability to hear God's voice. Now I've got a lot of sympathy, partly I think because we all rest in the same boat, that our attention is being pulled anywhere and everywhere except to God's word, isn't it? Advertisements tell us we must have this thing. We must have a holiday in this place. Uh, we really need to own this, a bigger this, a better that. Life will never be fulfilled until we acquire this and or the other. Well, it wasn't advertising that introduced the power of distraction and the desire for other things. Jesus said it existed perfectly well before the realm of advertising. In his days, he tells the parable of the sower. But I do think that advertising accentuates it. And the truth is, the truth is that Jesus says, Let, try and search for my voice first. First. First thing of the day, your priority. Get to hear my voice. Let me lead you. Friends, looking at these three kingdom chokers, I'm led to think that there's one big question we need to ask ourselves before making any major decision. And it's a simple question, but the world never asks it. I never asked myself this before I was a follower of Jesus. But here it is. Before I do this action or before I make this decision, is it going to make it easier or harder to hear God's voice? I can't tell you the number of people I've met over the years who've come to tell me that they're moving house. And uh, they're going to move because they've always wanted a bigger house. They've always wanted a wonderful view, or they've always wanted to live in this neighborhood, or they've always wanted a trout, trout stream here, there, or the other. Whatever it is, they're moving house. And I will ask them, oh great, tell me about the decision of where you're going to live. How did you make it? Have they ever considered along with the size of a house and the trout stream and everything else, is this going to make it easier or harder to hear God's voice? How, how vital in decision-making was it to search out and see if it was a lively church that would help them to grow spiritually? Or has that gone to the bottom of the agenda? In which case, 
I won't be surprised if it drives a bone in a few years' time. Or how often has one heard of conversation about so-and-so who is going to get married? And have they ever thought about whether getting married is what God wants them to do? Or whether staying single is what God wants them to do? Or whether the person they're going to marry will actually help them hear God's voice or has no regard for God's voice at all? In which case, what do you think is going to happen over the years? I'm not saying this is an easy road because Jesus didn't say it was an easy road. He said that on his road there are very few people and he said actually if you want to follow me you're going to have to pick up your cross daily and follow me. That doesn't sound easy but those who do discover that actually when you link God's purpose for your life and your purpose for your life paradoxically that is where fulfillment is. And that's certainly where fruitfulness is. The world might not value it, but Jesus Christ certainly values it. And I can share with you that actually, I would be insulted and disappointed if God only wanted part of my time, part of my attention, part of what it is to be Rupert. No, he doesn't. Of his followers, he wants everything because he cares and he's got good plans for us. What can we do? What can we do then to help one another and to help our friends to hear God's voice and get over these kingdom crushes? Well, I would say, hear what God's saying to you. Return to your first love. Repent. Start again. Change your mind. The invitation's there if the Holy Spirit is talking to you. And let's be careful when our friends tell us of their hopes and their aspirations. And if you've got children, when your children are telling you, of their hopes and aspirations, encourage them in everything that they're doing which will help them to hear God's voice. Because that ultimately is going to be more important than impressing the world and the people who don't know God at all, isn't it? Well, lastly, let's look at the three good soils. Let's look at the 30, the 60 and the 100 club. Well, what do they do? They hear the word, they accept it and they produce a crop. They actively take time to listen to the voice of God. You and I will only hear God's voice very, very rarely if we don't take the time, just a simple thing, to be still and to try and listen to God. I try and do that every single day. And I'm sure that most of the people listening to this, you're already trying to do that. That's good. That's a great start. And when you read God's word, accept it and then produce a crop. Now, I've got one little tip as I come to an end, and this is it. When you're having your quiet time and you're reading the scriptures, the last thing you do before you get up is to ask yourself, now I've read this passage, so what? So what happens now? So how does life change? So what has God been saying to me? And whatever God's been saying to you, you say, yes, Lord, and you do it. That's it. You listen, you accept God's word, and you obey. Trust and obey, goes the old song, because there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. And it's true. And it's true. As I round this talk off, let's just look at the two following stories. And I got a brief word on each. In verse number 21, Jesus said to them, Do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on a stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, 
and whatever's concealed is meant to be brought into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. There we are, that's about hearing again. Consider carefully what you hear, he continues, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever doesn't have, even what they have will be taken away. And these two stories uh, are still about listening and hearing. And in verse 21, Jesus says, the light, do you put it under a bed? Well, obviously not, because in those days the light was a candle and the bed would catch fire. I think that's one of Jesus' little jokes. And what he's saying here in verse 23, if you have ears to hear, hear. Don't conceal it, reveal it. When God's spoken to you, don't conceal it. Don't put the light under a bed, reveal it. Listen carefully to what you hear, because the more obedient you are, the more God will speak to you. Verse 24. If you put your fingers in your ears and you refuse to do what God says, really, what's the incentive for him to speak more? Don't. Don't blow it. Show it. Here are two questions to consider in small groups. Jesus identified the worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and a desire for other things as having the potential to blot out God's word in our lives. What have you found useful in combating those three? And secondly, what tips can we share together that will help us to hear the word accepted and produce a crop? Well, I hope you've enjoyed this evening's talk and that you will have fruitful time in your small groups. Bye-bye for now.